1, beginning in verse 15. Would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. First, uh, 2 Timothy 1, 15. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently, and he found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. Father, thank you already how we have been blessed and just drawn into your very presence. We ask you, Lord, to continue to let your Holy Spirit have control of everything said and done. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The meaning of Onesiphorus means prophet bearer. It means someone who carries the load. It means someone who brings the prophet. When I read about a guy like Onesiphorus, I think, Lord God, would you send us 500 of them? Because what a blessing he is in this book right here. And I want you just to ask yourself this morning, am I profitable to the kingdom of God? I mean, am I really profitable to the kingdom of God? Am I, am I doing something for the kingdom of God? Am I pulling my weight? Am I bearing profit? Am I touching lives? Am I making an impact to people for the kingdom of God? You say, preacher, isn't every Christian profitable? No, there's a difference, I believe. Not everybody believes this, but they can be wrong. I think there's a difference between a Christian and a disciple. Every disciple is a Christian, no doubt about that. But folk, I want to tell you right now, every Christian is not a disciple. There's a big difference between a laborer and a servant slash friend. A laborer will work as long as he's getting paid or as long as his agenda is being made. But a friend will continue to follow in the will of God no matter what happens. So there's a great difference there. We need some folks like Onesiphorus is that would just say, look, it's okay if I'm not on the lead line. It's okay if I'm not up in front of everybody. It's okay as long as the kingdom of God is growing and being prosperous. Are you a fan or are you a follower? And there's a lot of a lot of different, Brother Case did a series on that, fan or follower, tremendous. There's a lot, lot, whoo, there's a lot of fans. Go get them, preacher. Man, let's have another awesome Monday night. Let's cheer them on. Let's rally. But when the work comes, they're not anywhere to be found. Don't have a servant's apron on. Could I remind you that the last thing Jesus did before as he met with his disciples, he put a towel and he took a basin of water and he washed the disciples' feet. That's the picture we've got of our Lord. Now, just two points. The first one is, there are those who will forsake Paul, and there are those who forsake the kingdom of God, and those who ex ex forsake the men of God. There's two different ones that have been mentioned here. The Bible says, first of all, all Asia has forsaken me. Now, you think about all Asia, there's a lot of people. I mean, your China's in Asia. India's in Asia. Most of this world is in Asia. And he said, they've all departed. Now, if you want to be an Onesiphorus, let me tell you, this world is not a friend to Christ. We've got three enemies in this world. There's the flesh and the world and the devil. Those three. 
And when you begin to take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, I used to criticize Jimmy Swagger because he popped his neck all the time while he preached. I think he had one of these kinds of microphones on. God love him. I mean, that's probably, he's probably all right going to heaven. I just criticized him too early there. <laughs> Try to get that microphone on there right. Uh, <laughs> but let me tell you, if you want to be popular, don't you dare get in the ministry. Don't you dare take a stand because I want to tell you, the moment you take a stand, you're going to become unpopular. When you were saved, you probably had a bunch of friends. Uh, they, they, they don't call you much anymore. They don't want to run around with you. They don't want to be seen with you. So the, all of Asia, he said, forsook. And then there, there are two men he called specifically out, Phagellus and Hermogenes. Uh, they probably, it seems like every commentator agrees, that they were leaders in the church. Uh, they were probably the ones, every commentary I read said, that made the most noise that we're the most loyal people you've got. Hallelujah, they just like Simon Peter. Lord, I know these other guys might deny you, but listen, this is old Simon here. I'm going to be with you. Jesus said, you have no idea what you're talking about. You see, confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble, the Bible says, is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Proverbs 25, 19. Uh, Phagellus and Hermogenes were fair-weathered friends. They loved Paul as long as things were going well. They loved Paul as long as everything was on the up and up and everything was great. But boy, when trouble came along, Paul gets thrown into prison. They don't want anything to do with him anymore. They leave him high and dry. You say, preacher, are you preaching to me? No, I'm not preaching to you. Quit asking me that. I'm going to be like Paul. I've got two more years till I'm 65, and I'm going to be like Paul. I'm going to start calling you names out. That way there won't be any doubt if I'm preaching to you or not. That's what Paul did. He said, hey, Phagellus and Homogenes, they, they were with me, but they're gone now. He calls them out by name. Wow. Sir, you're a troublemaker. Ma'am, you're a gossip. You know, I'm just going to call you by name. I read a story about some native groups in the Peruvian Amazon, the Bora people, and they were just animalistic. They were just horrific, uh, aggressive. All their contacts with outsiders were marked with just uh, violence. But, but, but they got in and they got the gospel. The missionaries finally broke through and they got the gospel and they got saved. And it just transferred. I mean, just trans, literally the whole tribe was just, man, transformed. And uh, uh, an anthropologist went into the people and he started criticizing the missionaries and he said you know christianity is for the white man you people ought to go back to your old religion and your own ways and one of the old bora church leaders got up remembering the old days and he said to the anthropologist yes sir and if we did you'd be the first one in the pot <laughs> folk i won't tell you we don't need to go back to the old ways. Jesus has saved us and transformed us for the new life ahead. So point one's over. <laughs> now, point two. Thank God when there are those who will forsake you, there are those who are also faithful. And he calls the name. 
You say, preacher, I can't pronounce that name. You may not can pronounce it, but bless God, you could be one of them. Onesiphorus. Paul introduces us to him. What a blessing he was. He was a faithful friend. Solomon says there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother in Proverbs 18, 24. He was that kind of friend. Others had deserted Paul, but Onesiphorus proved to be a devoted friend. There's four things here. First of all, a faithful friend is, lo- uh, is reliable. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Wow, in the midst of all of the defection, in the midst of all those who have said, Paul, we've had a belly full of this, we're not coming out. The word oft comes from the Greek word palakis, which means often and frequently. Now, when you refer that back to a minister and to a, a preacher, and I'm not just preaching for me. I'll be honest with you, I'm old enough, it doesn't, I don't give a rip what you think or what you say. But we've got some young preachers here. And Brother Case, when you get down to the time, when you go in the back room and you close the door and you just about say, God, I've had about all this I can handle. I've just had about all this I can handle. Then suddenly your wife brings in a letter or a card from some dear sweet saint in the church. Just want you to know I'm praying for you. Wow. That, that, that's the kind of encouragement that Onesiphorus uh, has here for Paul. Solomon says, a friend loveth at all times. Proverbs 17, 7. Two of the great characteristics of true friendship is loyalty and longevity. That's the biblical friendship. It's not a part-time deal. We're in this thing together. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to come short of the glory of God. We're all going to make wrong decisions. Many years ago, we were in El Paso, Brother Herman and I. And we had, uh, I don't know how we, well, I know exactly how, but anyhow, I got roped into leading music at a tent revival out there in a prison, a high-security prison. Guy had been killed the night before. I was sitting there in the hotel room in El Paso saying, Lord, it must be your will we not go in. Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Let's eat some Mexican food and head back home, Amen. I mean, I'm, I said, and the warden called and said, we're going to let you in. Your tent's already in. It's already set up. We're going to do it. And so we went in. There were about 800 people, no chairs or anything. Can't have chairs in prison sitting on rocks out there on the ground. And uh, I want to tell you, I, I don't have time to tell you the funny part of the story, but basically here's what the deal. They said, uh, we need some people who will go to the, uh, there were a lot of AIDS patients there, a lot of sick, and uh, death row. And they said, we need some people who'll go there. Well, nobody raised their hand. I mean, you know, there's not many people just, and I wasn't jumping at it, but I thought, good grief, somebody needs to go. So I said, I'll do it. The chaplain had told me about this young man named Dennis. Said he uh, probably not going to last through the week. Got AIDS and he's not going to last. And uh, he won't let anybody talk to him about Jesus. He He won't let anybody say a word to him. And so I had on rubber gloves, I had on a mask, I had on an apron, I had everything, you know, all together. And I walked up to that cell and I shook, stuck my hand out. I thought, well, as long as there's a bar between me and him, I'm all right. And so I stuck my hand out. He said, not many people want to shake hands with me. I said, son, uh, the chaplain tells me you're just about dead and you need Jesus. 
I'd love to tell you about Jesus. And he shook hands and he said, since you shook hands with me, I'll let you tell me about Jesus. And I sat there, that stood there, led him to the Lord. The next morning at 4 a.m., he passed away. Folks, I want to tell you, there are people like that all over this country that just need someone to be a friend to them. My soul, a faithful friend is reliable. Onesiphorus was reliable. And, and, and then, I, I just wonder this morning, is, is there an Onesiphorus uh, in this room today? Is there somebody that said, preacher, I'll be faithful, I'll be a friend, I'll be a witness, I'll be an encourager, I don't have to be patted on the back or anything. I'll do that for the glory of God. Then a faithful friend is refreshing. Paul testifies he oft refreshed me, oft. That means to cool again, to cool off. Reviving or refreshing someone from the effects of heat exhaustion. His encouragement greatly encouraged Paul. It's like cool water to a thirsty soul. Then a, a faithful friend is resolute. When, when he was in Rome, the Bible says in verse 17, he sought me out very diligently and he found me. He traveled to Rome and he found Paul. And the word sought comes from the uh, Greek word zeteo, means to seek or to search for. He diligently was searching. Now you didn't do that to somebody in prison in Rome. You didn't want to be identified with them because the Roman government would tie you in with them and you would end up being in prison. But Paul said, Onesiphorus came looking for me. He wanted to find Paul. And I, I just imagine as he went in that jail cell, he threw his, threw his hands around Paul and said, Paul, I just want to be an encouragement to you. I've been praying for you. I've been standing with you. Paul says, wow. Everybody else is gone, but you're still here. What a encouragement. I, uh, Oliver B. Green, I love to read him. He said, the majority of friends, or so-called friends, will forsake us in the darkest hour of need. But the friend who is to be treasured as a jewel is the man who stands with us when we need encouragement, when others are against us, and seemingly we've lost the battle. Boy, no words could ever express a word of such friend. Boy, I tell you, I've, I've seen people that didn't like me in the grocery store, and I'd be going down one aisle, and they'd jump that aisle and hop over to another one. Then I'd go down the next one, they'd hop over to another one. You know why? They didn't want to be around me. They didn't want to be anywhere near me. Not a Nisiphorus. He said, Paul, I'm coming looking for you. I want you to know I'm your friend in the good and in the bad. I'm still your friend. And then I wonder this week, maybe even just this week, if you could look over your life and say, you know what? God has protected me. He's been a friend to me. I should have been in this car wreck. Boy, I saw one down here at, at uh, Eden Drive and, and Eastman there. I guarantee you nothing but a miracle from God. But, but God's still in the miracle business. Huh? God showed you mercy. Let me give you the last thing. A faithful friend is rewarded. He said, Lord, grant unto him that he might find mercy of the Lord in that day. And, and I want to tell you, not only did he give him mercy, 
and a reward for him, but he ended up rewarding his whole family because of the faithfulness of a friend. Boy, here's a holy man in prison. He's about to die. He'd nearly finished his course. He was forsaken, yet in his mind he was calm. He had a faith in the gospel that was unshaken. And uh, he, he wasn't worried about those who had turned away from him. His eyes were on Jesus. He was still following Jesus. You young people won't remember this, but <clears throat> we used to read a comic called Peanuts, Lucy and Charlie Brown. I mean, some of y'all might still remember that. Well, Charlie and Lucy would practice football together. You remember that? And Lucy would hold the football. And Charlie would get up and he would run just as fast as he could. And he would go to kick the football. And Lucy would move the ball just about the time his foot went up in the air. And he'd fall flat down on his back. And I mean, that happened over and over again. And... Uh, She'd pick up the ball and, and just, he, uh, Charlie Brown, he, Lucy begged him, please kick the ball. He said, no, I'm not going to kick it anymore. Every time I kick it, you pick it up and then I fall down. I'm not going to do it anymore. And in this one particular uh, uh, cartoon, uh, Lucy broke down and admitted. She said, Charlie Brown, I've been so terrible to you over the years, picking up the football like I have. I've played so many cruel uh, jokes on you, but I've seen the error of my ways. I've seen the hurt look in your eyes when I've deceived you. I've been wrong, so wrong. Won't you give a poor penitent girl another chance? And Charlie Brown was moved by her repentance. And she said, yes, I'll give you. He said, yes, I'll give you another chance. And he stepped back as she held the ball. And he was running as fast as he could. And he went to kick and she picked the ball up. <laughs> he fell flat down on his back. And she closed out the cartoon with this saying, Charlie Brown, recognizing your faults and actually changing your ways are two different things. Mm. Wow. Recognizing your fault and changing your ways are two different things. If you're here today without Jesus, you need to recognize you're lost. But I'll be honest with you. You don't just need to monitor the situation. You need to do something to correct it. Just recognizing your loss is not going to make you saved. You need to come to Jesus Christ. There are others of you in this place today that honestly, when you are asked that question, have I been profitable for the ministry of the kingdom of God? You'd have to say, you know, <laughs> maybe sometime years ago. But preacher, I've gotten old and I, there's not much I can do anymore. Man, you can pray. You can still pray. You can still make phone calls. You, you still, listen, God's got you here for a purpose. If he didn't have you here for a purpose, you'd already be gone. He's got a purpose for you. I wonder today, would you say, Brother Charles, I want to be profitable. I don't want to be just a dead knot sitting on a pew. I want to be profitable. I don't want to be some, somebody like a screen door on a submarine. Man, I want to be useful. I want to do something for the glory of God. I tell you, you've got a wonderful opportunity right now this morning. Father, thank you this morning for speaking to our hearts.
Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus, even for those right now that your Holy Spirit is dealing with that need to be saved. Lord, I pray this morning, before it's eternally too late, they'll come to you and they'll trust you and they'll be saved right now before it's too late. There are others in this place that know they're saved and have been saved, but Lord, the truth is they've, they've just kind of been a fan. They've just kind of enjoyed life and the good things of life, and then they've left and went on like nothing ever happened. And today you've spoken to them, and you want them to be someone who will profit the kingdom of God. Use them in a glorious way in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand together, as we sing, God speaking to your heart, would you step out and come? Christian